Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder, and it's great to be with you. It is a very snowy night here in Wisconsin, and it's pretty much snowy all over the country. Uh, I was watching the news earlier, and they said it's snowing from uh, Dallas all the way uh, northward through Louisville up to uh, Wisconsin, and I believe the East Coast even got hit with some snow. So, And welcome to tonight's very snowy episode of Sewing Hope. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Bill. And uh, we are getting over the snow here in Philadelphia. There's snow on the ground. We have about eight to 10 inches, but it looks like for now things are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And I know we have a great guest with us tonight. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about him? Yes, we have an amazing guest. And I want to make a shout out to William Hemsworth for introducing us to Peter Cavallero. Peter is from New York City. He is a husband, a father, uh, a devoted Catholic and an author, and he is also an apologist. He's written the book called Fragments. And right now his book is number one on the Amazon's hot new releases in Christian apologetics and the Christian allegory category. So I have the book, I'm so grateful, and I'm really honestly grateful to Peter for being a guest on this show. Uh, Thank you so much, Peter, for joining us on Sewing Hope. Well, it's great to be here, Ann. Bill, it's great to speak with you. Thank you for that kind introduction. Yeah, it's great to have you. Yes. How are you doing? I know now you're a family man. You're married to your wife and have a, a, a young son. I love the photo that we used for the ad for this particular podcast of you and your son yep. sitting together. And uh, I'm sure that he's keeping you very busy. Yes, he's keeping us busy. I can <laughs> add to the snowy... Uh, person's registry as well. We got hit with the big one uh, earlier this week on the East Coast here, and uh, he's discovering snow for the first time, so lots to keep busy with. That's right, and if my memory serves me correctly, I, I for, forgive me that I don't remember exactly how old he is, but I know it's somewhere around, is it 15 to 18 months? Yeah, good memory. He, he just passed 18 months. So. Okay, I knew it was somewhere in that around that uh, age. I love that age so much. I, I don't have much to compare it to, but yeah, it's it's really it's it's magical. Um, every every day is a new word, and you know he definitely keeps us on our feet. <laughs> mm, so much fun! Now we have a lot to talk about in terms of your faith story, and part of what we do on Sewing Hope is always start out with uh, the faith journeys of the people who are on the show. So please do share with us wherever you want to start about your own journey in faith. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, I think that my, my faith journey um, is characterized probably most of all by just um, sort of being ordinary in the sense that, you know, you read about some of the great uh, Catholic apologists and they have these great road to Damascus experiences. They have these great moments of conversion where they come over to the faith. And, um, you know, with me, I was very blessed to have um, you know, very tight knit Catholic family. I was, I was raised in the church with all the sacraments and I was very lucky in that regard. But, um, I mean, I, I think that sort of the, the real action in my faith journey really happened when it came time as I, you know, got a little older and started to realize, you know, is is this something that I'm just born into, or is it something that I want to take ownership of? And I want to, you know, uh, really self-affirm what it is that I believe. And so, you know, that's kind of become one of the, I think, things that kind of motivates my uh, apologetics work today, um, especially addressed toward people like myself that may be cradle Christians, cradle Catholics, um, because I see, you know, there's an ordinariness about that experience. But in that ordinariness, I think there's an urgency that's not always acknowledged. You know, I think that there's a a sort of complacency that needs to be defeated when you're born into a faith uh, and, you know, you're growing up, um, you know, remaining in that faith. I think, you know, you really do need to um, 
you know, take it upon yourself to make sure that it's not just the faith of your parents. It's not just the faith of your family. And so for me, you know, that was, I think, sort of the, the, the struggle that I, um, you know, experienced. Or it wasn't a struggle, but just, you know, that was, the, that was the challenge that I had to rise to in my faith journey. And I think it's something that's shared by the vast majority of people in our church who are born into the faith. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I do, I have to say, I do admire your faith. Uh, and I know you're very humble about the way you just described that because you're right. We do have to to recognize the gift of what we've been given. Uh, but I, I have to mention to our listeners here who don't know you personally and don't know uh, your mission is that you are a millennial and and that many times people in your age category are not that engaged, especially when it comes to the Catholic faith. I wondered if you could talk about that a little bit too. Um, I'm sure that you have some contacts and friends of yours who are not uh, engaged in religion. It's absolutely true. And I think, you know, the, the, the conventional thinking is that it's a trend that only is going to accelerate, you know, as, as we plow ahead and there, and there are so many influences that pervade that are, I think, uh, you know, detrimental to, you know, a healthy, uh, faith growth, uh, you know, on the part of everyone. Um, I, I definitely see that. And I mean, now being a parent, you know, I take it upon myself to play a pivotal role in, you know, another person's faith formation. It's a, it's a very serious thing that you know, my wife and I have long anticipated and, and planned for, uh, and are sort of, you know, making up as we go, but implementing a very, you know, conscious set of, um, ideas, uh, but that, that definitely has been what motivates me to, you know, uh, be a little bit more open about my own faith, my own experiences. It certainly motivated me to put pen to paper when it came to, you know, deploying my writing abilities for God, you know, is just that to the extent that we're all called to be witnesses, um, there's a lot of times when we're witnesses in ways that we don't even intend, you know, it's not just what we say but also just who we are. If I can be a witness merely by being someone of my age group to the people that I'm around that alone, I think there's some value to that on top of whatever else I might do or say. So it's definitely something that I take seriously and something that I hope, you know, um, uh, you know, we'll see a, a change in, in terms of, um, you know, spirituality. Yeah. Very well said because uh, it is a, a true fact. I think that we hear the term nuns and I don't, I'm sure you've heard of that term before N O N E S. And we've talked about it before on sewing hope and mm -hmm. some of our other shows that uh, the nuns are, are usually younger people, uh, young adults, and maybe in your age category who don't affiliate with a religion of any sort. Maybe they were Catholics, but now they don't affiliate with any religion. So I just think it's a really wonderful and amazing thing that you have, uh, really taking your faith upon yourself and said, you know what, not only do I want to practice it, but I'm going to go a step further. I want to write about it. I want to evangelize. I want to be an apologist. So tell us more on that end, because the fact that you are doing apologist work, I think is also a really wonderful thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think that, you know, on, on one level or another, really, every member of the faithful is called to evangelize in whatever small sphere they find themselves in. And, you know, the approach I usually take is, is one that I call, a fancy term for it, but pardon me because I'm also an attorney, graduated evangelism, which is basically looking at every relationship I have in my life and deciding what is the most appropriate, effective, and realistic context in which I can, in a small or large way, evangelize as to, you know, this person or this set of people in this relationship. And so I call it graduated in the sense that depending on how close you are to a person, depending on what the situation is, that will determine, I think, sort of the way in which, you know, you would, um, you know, it, again, in, in a large or small way, sort of move the needle toward God, you know, and this could be as simple as people you walk past on the street, you don't interact with them at all, you don't know who they are, just be by being a kind person without any explicit involvement of, you know, Christian doctrine or, or, or Christian uh, nomenclature, just by, just by being a joyous person, a person walking in the image of Christ, you know, that alone, that small bit alone could be, uh, you know, impactful for, for people 
um, that you come across. Same with people that you might, you know, you have work relationships, you work with somebody. And obviously, you know, when you're doing a important work project or whatever, you're not going to, you're not going to necessarily go on into a sermon just by being, you know, possessing qualities like humility, forgiveness, mercy, you know, for people that are subordinate to you or people that are, you know, superior to you, you know, just exhibiting Christian virtues, you know, that, that alone, that is, that is a way of evangelizing as well. And if you take it a step even further up the ladder as to people that you're a little bit more intimate with, friendly with, you know, certain friendships may lend themselves to a little bit more honest conversation. Maybe those moments open up where you can have those, those conversations about God, or if not God, then at least about the meaning of life and about how we should be, you know, spending our, our time devoting ourselves and then, of course, I think the, the very top of the pyramid is, is, is your family, the people that, you know, you are you know, under the same roof with. And, and as to those people, that's where I think the most explicit, the most intensified evangelism will take place, you know, as you know, with your with your spouse or your, your siblings, you know, jointly uh, developing your relationship with God. And in the case of parents, certainly as to your kids, you know, a, a little bit more of a, uh, you know, uh, uh, a teaching or, or uh, you know, tutorial type relationship uh, leading them toward God. So no matter what your relationship is with any person in your life, there's always some way in which you can evangelize in, a, in, a, in some big or small way. That's what I find. Yeah, perfectly stated. And you're doing a great job because you are balancing a lot too. I mean, let's face it, you're an, an attorney, as you said. I know you live in New York. And I, I think you're practicing in, in New York City, if I'm correct. Uh, correct. Although not with the pandemic, but yes, usually. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you're doing so much. I mean, you're married, you have a young son and um, you were raised in a Catholic home, but somewhere along the way, something happened to you. I don't know whether you want to share on that, but something tapped on your shoulder and said, you know, uh, my faith means even more than I can express. I want to go a step further in being a, a Catholic who really and truly expresses my love of God in everything that I do. Was there some kind of a moment for you or a time frame in your life that that occurred? I think it happened probably around college, which is when so much change and so much you know, personal development happens for all of us. Um, college is certainly the time where most people get to and they, they really want to understand what the world's about, what they should be doing, what direction their life should be going in. And for someone like me who was very academically focused, cerebral, whatever, you know, I was also trying to put pieces together. I was taking philosophy courses and, and so forth. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in, using, in looking at the talents that you're given, the skill sets that you have, the things that interest you that you like, and using those breadcrumbs to follow where you think God wants you to go and, you know, using those as clues as to how you can best serve God. And so as I'm thinking about all that, um, I come into contact. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very blessed to have the opportunity to learn under uh, you know, a very uh, highly esteemed um, philosopher, Jesuit priest uh, at Georgetown University, which is a Catholic school, uh, who basically um, – I, I take a, a bunch of classes with him over the four years that I'm there. And he basically teaches me that there is a, there's a very satisfying answer to, you know, for someone who's sort of intellectually focused and looking for answers within uh, the rubric of Christian uh, doctrine, you know, th that, that you, you know, you'll, you'll find satisfactory answers. There's a full complete harmony between faith and reason. And, you know, the stuff I learned under him, you know, sort of, I think, crystallized my commitment to wanting to you know, devote my you know, skills, which has been writing and communication and, and thinking and stuff like that um, to, to, toward God. And, and, and sort of through a very uh, a lot of twists and turns, but eventually, you, you know, led me to publish this book. And I'll do more writing on this subject as well in the future, I'm sure. Basically, just wanting to, you know, lend my voice to this chorus of, of folks down the millennia who have been sort of defending uh, the, the precepts of our faith, exploring the concepts like God's existence and so forth. Um, you know, and so that's probably the, that was probably the inflection point for me. Yeah. So well said. Uh, I like that book fragments. 
you, you've done a great job and you. you sent it to me. And you were also a guest on Journeys in Faith on Fiat Ministry Network. And it was a great show. And so I got to know you a little bit there. And so it's, it's a blessing for us here with Bill Snyder and Patchwork Heart Ministry that you're here to talk more because, you know, every interview you get to know the person a little bit more. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Is that right, Bill? Yes, definitely. You know, uh, Peter, I'm, I'm very impressed with, uh, you know, a lot of the things you're sharing with, with our audience. Uh, and, and so, so, so thank you, first of all, for, for, you know, stepping out. And uh, I absolutely love how you said that, you know, absolutely every person you come in t- contact with, you can evangelize in some way. And uh, I, I just, I, I just think that that is a very insightful uh, thing because oftentimes we, as Catholics, sit back and we think, "Oh, I only can evangelize in the four walls of my parish. Oh, I can only evangelize in my family. Oh, I can only..." No, no, no. Even the person on the bus sitting next to you, uh, you can, you can evangelize. Uh, and so I just really, 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 um, you know, think that's very insightful. And so thank you for sharing that, and thank you for sharing your journey. You know, I mean, uh, your, your your work too. Um, you know, that has to be some difficult stuff. Uh, you know, in order to balance your, you know, <laughs> being a lawyer and, and practicing law, and and also you know living your faith too, because there's probably tons of challenges in that field as well. I mean, I think every field has its challenges to be able to go and live your faith in, but um, certainly certainly, law and, and being a lawyer certainly does. Absolutely does. Um, you know, it's it's true that, you know, if you read the, the Gospels even, I think Jesus is railing against lawyers, so it's not a, it's not an easy profession even <laughs> from a scriptural point of view. But uh, it is, it is. I mean, that, that again dovetails with what I, what I was saying, just as you can evangelize uh, pr- pretty much anyone that crosses your path. You can also evangelize in pretty much any uh, vocation or situation that you find yourself in by leveraging the opportunities and the uh, skills that you hone, you know, in that uh, in that experience. And so that's another reason why, you know, I think, um, and this is something that Ann and I discussed, uh, I guess, last month when I was on her other program. Um, you know, God sort of just comes at you from every direction. God's accessible in virtually every way. Every way you'd have to try hard not to find God in in a certain activity or in a, in a certain context. And so, there's really no one right answer as to how best to connect with God, as to how best to have God work through you. Um, it's really, you know, it's it's perfectly fine to take your cues by what interests you, what you enjoy, and 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 then you know let the you know, let God's work follow from that. And so I think that's a, that's a good thing for all of us because it means that there's no right, there's no wrong answer. We can do, you know, we, we can, per, uh, you know, pursue everything we love and, and, and no matter what that is, chances are there's going to be a way that we can serve God effectively in that role. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other thing too, that, that, that fits nicely with that is the, uh, the understanding that, God created you with your desires and with your talents and with your gifts and mm. with your interests, right? So, like, you know, j- just like you said, you can find, you know, and you can evangelize in any circumstance, in any profession. Well, God put those interests on your heart. Like, you know, I- I- if you want to be a lawyer, God needs great Christian lawyers. If you want to be mm-hmm. a scientist, God needs great, you know, disciple people who are scientists. He needs, you know, disciples in every walk of life because uh, if— if we don't have, you know, that discipleship in that area, then you could say, well, that's an area that, you know, God doesn't want to be involved in, and that's not true. God wants to be involved in every aspect of our lives and in every aspect of um, each and every part of um, our society, you know. So, so, so that's wonderful. And, you know, also, you know, glorifying it, glorifying whatever you are doing, you know, for God is also super important, right? Taking the talents, the gifts, the, um, you know, the, the interests and saying, God, I'm going to serve you doing this. You know, uh, one of the organizations I used to work for you just to kind of, uh, talk about them a little bit was uh, sports faith international. And what they do is they take Catholic athletes or Christian athletes and they give them a platform to say, yes, I'm Christian. Yes, I'm Catholic. And they uh, induct them in a, in, in the hall of fame. They have their own hall of fame. 
uh, and they induct them in this Hall of Fame, uh, you know, because they're living their faith and, you know, excel at sport. And so here they are, some of them, like, you know, Vince Lombardi is in this Hall of Fame, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and and so it's so good to hear you reinforce that, you know, you reinforce that it doesn't matter what walk of life it's if you can glorify God in it, you're doing you're doing wonderful things. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And um, for me, listening to the two of you talk, it's it's just very encouraging to see people in the 30s and 20s age bracket, I would say millennial and younger, to be on fire for their faith. And both you, Peter, and even Bill, right? I have to say that, Bill, to you too, uh, that it's just so wonderful uh, to see this because I'm I'm older. I'm not a baby boomer. I'm somewhere in between. But um, <laughs> but it, it, it is really a joy for us at, in my age group to see younger people who are uh, really taking their faith as a really uh, important aspect of everything that they do. And now that led you to become an author, too. And you're the author of the book Fragments. And as I said, it is on Amazon. And I'm going to suggest to our listeners to go and check it out. I love it myself. Uh, tell us about how that came to be and what it's about. So um, I guess following college, I, I've, I've been doing a lot of writing on the side. Um, and Fragments is actually, um, you know, no pun intended, really is sort of a blending of certain fragmented works that I had uh, developed separately um, with different things in mind, you know, theological works. Um, part nonfiction, part fiction. The book itself, I like to think of as sort of, um, you know, at, at heart, it's, it's definitely, it takes the form of a novel, a loose literary novel, but, you know, at, at its core, it's really trying to convey certain, you know, substantive arguments uh, for the existence of God, um, exploration of topics like, uh, you know, the problem of human suffering. Uh, and so, there's a lot of, I guess, heavy theological exploration in there, but it's presented in a way that I think is a little bit unique, a little bit novel compared to, you know, a dusty textbook. And I mean, part of the reason for that was, I mean, well, firstly, I enjoyed writing it. And I, I, I'm, I'm a literary guy. I like, I just was having fun with it, but partially to maybe uh, attract an audience that wouldn't ordinarily pick it up um, and read about a topic like that. You know, there's a little bit of a, uh, experimental um, writing in there. It's, it's a little bit um, esoteric. There's, it's not completely straightforward. Um, but it, at the end of the day, I think it, its main aim is to challenge the reader intellectually. And, and, and it's in keeping with my idea that we should never stop growing in our faith, asking ourselves the tough questions. Um, and, and it's reassuring to know that, um, you know, a veritable tradition going back to the very beginning of the church itself has been working on really good answers to these really tough questions, you know? And, and so it's, it's always reassuring to know that as much as there are tough questions and, you know, the nuns that, uh, Anne was talking about earlier, perhaps might have, you know, certain, uh, pretty heavy, uh, objections that they might make to, uh, you know, a belief in God that there's just as, compelling answers, you know, to meet those objections. And you know, that, that, again, it just ties back to where I felt myself being called, you know, to lend my voice to this ongoing conversation and come up with some answers of my own. So that's, but that's basically what, you know, the book tries to lay out. Yeah. And you do a good job because you said it best that you ask these questions that a lot of people maybe haven't really asked themselves about the meaning of life, right? And about why we're here and what's really important and God, right? And even the yep. whole concept of God and, and, and why we should uh, ponder him and, and be grateful to him and live for him. So I'm sure that you and all that you do with your daily work as an attorney and also as a husband and a father, um, I'm sure that you are feeling God uh, close by uh, all of us go through times where we we struggle with with God being with us. But uh, I just get this feeling that in all that you're doing, 
that you you are being guided by the Holy Spirit and you do feel his presence. Definitely. And it's not always, you know, it's it's a challenge for people that are busy and people that are raising families and have demanding professions. It's a challenge to always remember that even in the small moments, you know, we are, you know, in the in the presence of, uh, you know, of the Holy Spirit. Um, And I think it's just it's just it's the kind of thing that it's a challenge. But that's that's what we really should be trying to get ourselves to always um, remember, you know, that that we are in the presence of God. Um, You know, when one of my one of my very early um, sources of inspiration was um, my grandmother. And, you know, I didn't have a very I didn't have a mature relationship with her because unfortunately she passed away well before her time uh, of illness. But when I was growing up, my grandmother was basically regarded in our community as a local saint. I mean, she was basically she she was steeped in work for the local poor. She um, at a time when you know most parishes they didn't have what we call today a parish outreach organization. Uh, you know, in the '60s and '70s, she basically started from scratch in our parish, which remains my home parish today. The parish outreach organization, which, to my knowledge, every parish or almost every parish on Long Island today, which is where I'm from, now has one of these. You know, collecting food, toy drives during Christmas, you know, turkey drives during Thanksgiving. Uh, regular food donations, food pantry, whatever, you know, she, she sort of was in the trenches and, and, and was the uh, originator of this vital work. And she was rightly regarded by a lot of people as very um, saintly, you know, I, so I, I looked at her, I looked at my mother, you know, other, other great influences, actually, you know, people that I, you know, knew well, and I realized that, you know, um, you know, we can, we can pursue sainthood. We can pursue God's will even after a long day at work, even with, you know, she had six children to have to, you know, make dinner for and put to bed and all this stuff. You know, it's sort of, it's a good lesson in, in sort of recognizing that there's no hour of the day. There's no day of the week when we're not in the presence of the Holy spirit, when we don't have the opportunity to do God's work even in the most ordinary moment, even in a moment when, you know, it seems like uh, we're sort of buried in everything else life has thrown at us. Um, So, you know, that's sort of where I come from in terms of uh, sanctifying the ordinary. That's, that's so great, Peter. And, um, you know, I, I love how, you know, the role models, you know, in your life are important and they're venerated, right? I mean, like, you know, that, that is a veneration that you're able to venerate your grandmother and say, all right, now it's also my turn to now follow in those yeah. footsteps, right? Isn't that, isn't that part of, you know, the Christian faith? Is it, 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 it's, it's a giant relay race, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> it's a giant relay race. From, we, we should, you know, we're, we're, we're receiving what we've been given from, from saints that have gone before us, and we're expected to pass the baton to those, uh, you know, you know, our, of course, our own children and, and, and all of that, but, but also those around us in our community. And yeah, what a great witness your, you know, your grandmother uh, had in your life because, um, you know, and, and in the community, because, you know, that's a, that, that's a great thing to just take a look at for people in their lives. You know, maybe you're out there right now um, struggling you know, to, to see the existence of God, to, you know, to see that, where, where, where is God in society with all this unrest and everything? Well, you know what, look in, look in your family, look in your family lineage, uh, and, and see, you know, who is doing good. It's like that Mr. Rogers thing, right? Always look for the helpers. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that, Bill. Thank you for bringing that up. I have to say, first of all, Peter, I, I love what you just told us, because you didn't share that on the first show. So that's something new that I didn't know about. And my mind went to, and Bill, I'm going to refer to you, is that uh, Bill's grandmother was also very close to him. And, and she just passed away this past year during COVID. And uh, oh, I'm sorry. And I have to, you know, that, that my mind goes there. And um, in addition, now you have me who, honestly, uh, my grandmother was so important to me. Uh, honestly, she was probably one of my best friends, uh, she died when I was 28. And, um, and yes, I, I would say she has affected my faith 
because she went through so much in her life with two children that died. Oh, she had four children and two died at a young age. And, uh, and she was such a, a wonderful grandmother to me at being her first grandchild, of course, too. Um, so I, I think that we, we make a shout out to the people that are listening that are grandparents. You know, grandparents make a difference. They really do. They're so important to our faith. And so no matter where you are in your life, because we get listeners of all ages, just remember that a grandparent can make or break the difference in someone's faith. So I just want to thank you, Peter, and also Bill, that you shared with me before your story of your own grandmother. And um, and and thank you, Peter. Thank you for, for enlightening us about that, because I do feel that the prayers of your grandmother are probably definitely still with you. Well, thank you for that. And I, I mean, look, it's, it's no surprise. I like the, I like Bill's analogy of the relay race. I mean, it is good to feel connected to in an unbroken chain, really. Um, you know, the really the very first apostles and there's sort of this succession of, you know, striving for Jesus. And, you know, we are all, it sounds like we're all very blessed to have, you know, what I, what I was saying at the outset of our conversation, you know, a, a good, uh, faith, uh, a fortifying faith presence in our, you know, early upbringing in our family. It, it underscores why family is so important, you know, to uh, carrying on the faith and so forth. And, you know, I mean, I guess another thing I would say that kind of, um, you know, is hits off this theme is that, and I, I repeat this a lot to people that I try to, that I'm, if I'm trying to inspire someone that I believe it firmly is that every day, you know, we are called to sainthood. You know, we, we, we have to strive for sainthood every day. And we don't know the hour or the minute that that could be what earns us our sainthood. You know, we, you know, every day uh, has opportunities to, to strive and achieve sainthood. And, you know, obviously, you know, in, in, in dramatic moments, you know, that could be martyrdom, which, you know, God forbid, uh, you know, we in the 21st century have to face that. But for 99.9% of us, that sainthood is going to be one in moments of ordinariness. You know, it's, it's going to be one in uh, a moment where, you know, your child is crying and you have to get dinner on the table and you both have hectic things at work and you've got the laundry and you've got to take out the garbage. And, you know, what your attitude is to that situation what your attitude is to, you know, a stressful work situation where people's, you know, people are upset or people are afraid, how you comfort people around you. You know, these are the ordinary moments where in all likelihood, our own sainthood will be achieved. So every day is a chance to strive to sainthood. We're all called to be saints. Oh, amen. Absolutely. Uh, and, and thank you. You know, as we're headed into Lent, you know, it's Ash Wednesday's coming up. It's a good reflection for all of us that, you know, we have a purpose for God. And I'm Peter, I'm so happy that at you, at your younger age, uh, that you have gotten that awareness and you have such a mission with your own vocation. You know, you mentioned family and you mentioned how that's the first place that we evangelize. Now you're, ma you're married with a young son. So what is it like for you? Because you're beginning that journey in your family life. We'd love to hear about you and your wife and your young, beautiful son. Uh, sure. We, um, we're, well, we're still making up as we go along, but we definitely, uh, we, we knew uh, for a while that we had to have some kind of plan in terms of, um, you know, raising our, our son in a, in a, in a, a, a Christian, uh, you know, explicitly overtly Christian Catholic environment, you know, uh, we want to, um, uh, I think we want to create an atmosphere that sort of from all directions in all ways and contexts, um, you know, reverberates God. And so, you know, we, we have sort of a comprehensive way of doing that. I mean, we, 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 we have imagery throughout the house so that, you know, uh, there's, uh, visually, you know, a, a presence of our faith, which, you know, as our baby gets older, you know, could spurn conversation, uh, you know, spur conversations, you know, who is that? What is this scene depicting? What, it, you know, what's the significance of this? And, you know, that could be uh, a point of connectivity. Then, then we have, um, 
uh, a musical component. You know, we have, you know, we, in terms of the music that we'll sometimes play, whether we're in the car or if we're in the kitchen, we have a playlist that we call the prayerful playlist, which we have a lot of good uh, liturgical songs and other um, you know, faith-based songs that we like, which lyrically, I think, also enhance the message. Uh, and then, you know, in terms of routine, you know, I think I, I think it's important to have a, a prayer routine, no matter what stage in life you're at. But especially with children, you know, integrating them into a prayer routine, that's something that we're, you know, we make sure to do. And then another component, which is I think the trickiest of them, and it's one that we, you know, have to work on, um, is I think the spontaneous uh, embrace of. Uh, of faith and of, you know, invocation of God, you know, in outside the moments of, of planned prayer, you know, the nightly prayer or a prayer before a meal outside of, you know, mass, you know, just having a spontaneous, whether it be a discussion when, when the, when the baby gets older or even, you know, when he's a younger kid, just, just sort of spontaneously, I think, um, even just weaving in, even just weaving in small things, like if you hear that a neighbor is sick, you know, just, you know, we'll pray for him, you know, that kind of thing. You just, just building toward this environment where uh, sort of in, in its totality, God is uh, put at the forefront. I think that's what we're aiming for. Yeah. I love the fact that um, you have a family mission. And you have, you have it at a young age with your son. And so your son will probably never have a time in his life where he didn't remember something about his faith. He will probably have remembrances of faith from an extremely early age, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah I hope yeah. so, yeah. yeah. So that, that's just incredible. Uh, now, um, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about... Um, you know, going back to the fact that some people in your age group are not people of faith. Have you ever had instances where you were able to evangelize people just through your life? And I'm sure the answer is yes, but we'd love to hear more. Definitely. And, you know, I qualify it by saying, and this goes back to my idea of graduated evangelism in terms of, you know, what is this, what is my relationship with the person and to what extent is there an opening for me to uh, either uh, bring God explicitly, expressly, or indirectly, implicitly into that relationship. Um, there's definitely, there's definitely lots of opportunities where simply by, you know, trying to exhibit, you know, Christian virtue, I think I've kind of given people an opportunity to, I guess, um, reflect and, and sort of, uh, say, Hey, maybe, you know, I want to, you know, emulate that or I appreciate that. Um, but I think that, I think that it's the context where, you know, when you, when you have mentorship opportunities, for example, or opportunities where if, you know, if, if you're in, and I, and I've had instances in the past where I've had groups of friends that are sort of a little bit more open and overt about talking about issues of faith, where you can really dig into, uh, you know, some, some meatier topics when it comes to, you know, soul searching and, 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 and growing in faith. And not everybody has the same ideas. Not everybody's from the same religious tradition or even has a faith, but if you can get um, an openness about talking about it, and it doesn't have to be all the time. I mean, these friendships are usually, you know, uh, revolve around video games and sports, but in terms of, you know, having the opportunities when they are presented and being ready when that, when that comes to capitalize on those moments, uh, if anything, the, the fact that it's sort of a not everyday occurrence makes it even more potent because it goes to show that, you know, our relationship is, is very uh, wide ranging and very deep. Um, and one of the many things that we can bond over and talk about is, uh, you know, issues of faith. And in, in those moments, you know, we can have some, some very deep conversations where I think, um, you know, people have gotten closer to the Lord, certainly. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm sure that in your work too, as an attorney, because you're helping people, aren't you? I mean, you're helping people mm -hmm. with, with issues, with problems, uh, things that need to be solved, whether they're business or personal. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and God enters in there too. And mm-hmm. we're coming, we're in a world right now where, you know, it's not very friendly to religion and faith, is it? I mean, people are scared off from, from, you know, that you're a religious person and they hear that and think, oh no, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I'm laughing, but I'm not really laughing, but y- well, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I wondered if you had anything to say about that because day in and day out, you're working too. And yeah. you're coming into contact with people who oh, sometimes might not have the best uh, feeling about people who are celebrating some kind of religion, whether it's Catholic or something else. Well, just to comment on that, um, you know, I, I, one of the great things is if you, if you like history, like I do, you know, we've, we've got a great, we've got a great church for that because we've got very good history and it goes back a long time. And there's a lot of great you know, if you like Roman history, if you like medieval history, well, that's bound up with church history. So if you read about the one, you're reading about the other. There's a lot of great history. And, and I also love, as Anne knows from our prior conversation, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the saints, and I like to read about the saints, yeah. study the saints. But, um, you know, one of the things that I've drawn a lot of comfort from in recent times because of, you know, the, the phenomenon that Anne was describing, you know, hostility toward faith, uh, the tumultuous nature of our society these days on all fronts. You know, one of the things that I draw supreme comfort from is the fact that, you know, everything is relative. Uh, and if we actually think back at the inception of our church um, and when it started to first come into maturity, I'm thinking about, you know, the 400s AD when St. Augustine, one of those great church fathers was active in writing and was really forming a lot of the ideas that to this day are seminal to our, uh, you know, Catholic church, that was an incredibly uh, fragmented and uh, stressful and unstable time. I mean, that this is the, the fall of the Roman empire. Right. There's barbarian hordes coming in and, and the very artifact, the very edifice of society was crumbling political uh, instability and <laughs> violence. And, 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 you know, so no matter how bad it may be today, it doesn't hold a candle to this formative time. And yet St. Augustine teaches us that, and this is an idea called political Augustinianism, you might say, it's this idea that no matter what the temporal order looks like around you, no matter what the situation is, even if everything is going crazy, crumbling, tumbling down, it's still possible to have a completely fruitful and nourishing relationship with God individually and within your faith community, and God will pull it, pull you through, uh, no matter what the, you know, how dramatic, how catastrophic, cataclysmic, you know, the surrounding situation might be. And so I, I would encourage all who are, uh, distraught by, you know, the recent times, uh, you know, of, of anything going on to just look back at our church history, look back, especially to St. Augustine and look at the sort of, um, uh, encouragement that he would give, uh, give us all. It certainly gives us hope, Peter, doesn't it, for the future? <laughs> yeah. You know, knowing definitely. knowing that God, you know, can can pull us through anything. There's nothing. There's no corner of the earth. There's no uh, no sin too deep that God cannot penetrate with His light. And and it's you know one of those things where I think a lot of people have doubts these days that. You know, but God's power hasn't changed. You know, from from the moment, you know, of human existence to now, God hasn't um, changed His level of power at all. Right? He He still is completely omnipotent. He He is all powerful, all knowing. Like these things continue. And, you know, he, he, he doesn't get any more glory. He doesn't get any more, you know, strength based on our current situation of whether we are faithful or unfaithful. Like, like you know, our mm-hmm. actions don't give him, you know, his glory. We are, we're, we're called to worship him. We're called to know him. We're called to serve him. Like, like, you know, and we're missing out on incredible graces when we don't. But, man, we are called to, uh, you know, recognize that God 
hasn't changed the or increased or decreased in in his power from the moment that of human existence to now. And so I, I think your point is is well taken because I think what we need to do is then uh, you know help people recognize that you know they can still have that relationship. Um, you know, like like you pointed out that Saint Augustine, you know, said like you can have this personal relationship with God, and regardless of what's going on around you, I mean, even some of the saints, right? There were there were saints that were you know tortured to death, and mm-hmm. regardless of what was happening to them, you know, I mean, I think of Saint Lawrence, right, <laughs> who has that, yes. who has that, you know, whether it's true or not, it has that, you know, you know, tale that where where he was, you know, burned on a grill, <laughs> you know, and to you know to die. And he turned to the executioner and was like, okay, I'm done on this side. Flip me over. Like, like, I mean, can you imagine, you know, burning to death and saying that to the people executing you? I, I couldn't, you know. No, I couldn't either. And I heard that tale before, too. But it just goes to show that, uh, as Peter said, we have such a history and a wealth of knowledge and stories and saints and, and books that we can go to. Um, and I know, Peter, you're such a lover of the saints. So we're coming toward the end of the show, but we'd love to hear some of your favorites. Uh, well, um, the good thing about the saints is there's a saint for everything. There's a saint for every uh, every problem we may have. You know, I really depends on what side of the bed I wake up on. You know, every day is a different saint. Um, I look at the I look at our catalog of saints as sort of like almost a toolbox. You know, if you're gonna fix a leak, you know, you'll use one tool. If you're going to nail some, uh, wood, you know, you'll use another tool. If you're going to change a tire, you'll use another tool. The good thing is for any problem we have or for any bit of inspiration that we need or any situation in life we find ourselves in, there's a saint for that. And that's great. Um, I, I have always had a special connection with St. Thomas More as an attorney and, you know, someone, you know, engaged in sort of uh, public dialogue. Um, I, I, you know, the, the, the saint who is formative on my uh, educational experience, I would say, is St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, definitely. But St. Augustine is a great literary saint, also has really enriched my faith. But then, you know, there's, there's you know, St. Francis, a great, great story, great uh, call to service and, and call to sort of revolutionarily change your life, you know, upon heeding God's call and being touched by the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, uh, St. Ignatius Loyola, good story there as well. Um, I, you know, I, when I, when I was teaching catechism, uh, one of the things I would always do, which was a hit with the kids by all accounts was we would do the saint of the week. I really think it's good. It's, and, and by the way, a lot of these are the headline saints I'm talking about ones that pretty much everyone's heard of. You can go into, you know, a dictionary of saints, almost any saint you pull out. I, I mean, I, I, I find new ones every day uh, that I, I don't know, you know, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, almost every one of them uh, has a great story um, and, a, and a, you know, a great uh, in, little nugget of inspiration that you can draw from them. So it's it's sort of like something that would take a lifetime to, to get through. And, and I'm always learning new things. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I will second that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Peter, I know as we're wrapping up, uh, please tell people how they can, you know, if they, if they can get in touch you touch with you, how they can get in touch with you. Uh, of course, we want people to go out and buy uh, a copy of your book uh, available on Amazon and I'm sure elsewhere, Fragments, A Theological Story. Uh, very, very awesome stuff. But just tell people how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, thanks a lot. I, I really appreciate it. It's been a great conversation. Um, yeah, uh, get in touch with me. I, I don't really, I, I'm not as, I don't have as much of a social media presence at this time. As you, as you know, I'm kind of uh, busy with all this other stuff. Exactly. At, at some point, I will get around to it. But at this point, um, uh, contact Anne. She'll, she'll get in touch with me. <laughs> yes, awesome. absolutely. Good yeah, stuff. I mean, I, I love what you're doing, Peter. I want you to come back on not only sowing hope, but journeys in faith again. Um, and I think I've also talked to you about maybe doing something with the foundation that I represent, the St. Raymond Anata's Foundation. Sure. Thank you so much. Um, I want to say hello to your wife and your son, your family and your friends. 
Uh, you're really a, a wonderful person who loves his faith. And I think God is smiling down upon you. And I have to say, I think your grandmother is too. Uh, well, thank you. Too kind, very kind. But thank you so much, Chad. And thank you for having me on tonight. Of course, absolutely. And uh, folks, we want to remind you that you can always go over to our website, uh, which is very simply uh, patchworkheart.org to find out more about our program and also Ann's website, andasantis.com. Uh, but continue to, uh, you know, prepare your hearts and whatnot for Lent, and we'll be with you on Tuesday. Until then, keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.